often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. In what ways do you consistently show up for yourself? Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar, and I am so, so happy you're here. I'm really hoping that you're having a great day or great evening and great week. And if you're not, I hope that this episode brings you some cheer and just some relief. You know, every time I'm scheduled to have a conversation with someone for the podcast, I have a vision of how I like the conversation to go. And because I do my research on them and have a sense of who they are, some of their interests and their personality, it usually goes how I envisioned. However, this was not the case for today's guest. Janae Epps is the director of the My Sister's Keeper and Positive Period Initiatives at the Black Women's Health Imperative Organization. The Black Women's Health Imperative is the nation's first nonprofit organization created by Black women to help protect and advance the health and wellness of Black women and girls. This organization has been active since 1981 and has been at the forefront of women's health issues through comprehensive public health initiatives that promote overall wellness for Black women. Because the organization is so massive and influential, I had a very narrow idea of how the conversation would go. But when I started speaking with Janae, it went so much better than I could have imagined. You know, outside of the podcast, I speak to people who have leadership roles and nonprofit organizations, but they don't really seem to have any passion or real connection to the people that they serve. Janae is the total opposite. She is the embodiment of my sister's keeper and is truly passionate about the work that she does. We spent some time chatting behind the scenes and her passion was just palpable. I've been a longtime supporter of the Black Women's Health Initiative, but am even more of a supporter now that I know that they truly live their work. My conversation with Janae explores giving ourselves permission to care for ourselves, the impact of systemic issues like racism and sexism, stress management and lifestyles, uh, and their effect on our heart health. Also, the importance of community, her work with my sister's keeper, and the positive period. Unfortunately, Janae lost her mother at a young age and has been raising her younger sibling since then. So we also touched on grief, and she provides some really great insight on navigating grief and its complexities. So listen, grab a cup of coffee or tea, pop in your headphones, and enjoy the conversation. You are in for a really good one. And before you do, I'd like to remind you to support the podcast by leaving a five-star rating and review on whatever streaming service you're listening on. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'm actually able to see them. So please leave a comment telling me where you're listening from so that I can give you a shout out. I'm trying to get to 200 ratings on Apple. Um, Currently, I'm at 183. (laughs) And I'm also trying to get our first 50 reviews on Spotify. So please help. (laughs) so let me stop running my mouth and let's get into the convo again thank you so so much for joining i am so so glad you're here be well sis i i love it i'm so excited to talk to you um as i was telling you before that i have been just in awe of all that you guys do and have been meaning to reach out to you so everything is aligned that we're connected now so i am super super happy to talk to you especially about um the lane that you are in within um the organization 
I admit that I don't, um, I'm a mom of two boys. Um, my boys are still small. Uh, I'm in my thirties now. And I just don't necessarily think about, you know, the younger women who are coming up. So I would love to talk about what you guys are doing with my sister's keeper and all of those things in the positive period too. So where do you want to start? <laughs> perfect. I mean, I guess I can start with who I am. And yes, how I let's do it. In the organization. So um, again, the name is Jeanne Epps. And, you know, what really brought me into the health field, right? I thought about my own personal experiences and experiences of my family, um, chronic conditions ran in our family, and it led to a lot of premature deaths including my mother. Um, I also um, manage my asthma, and that's something that I have to deal with constantly as well as some of my other siblings. So knowing that I had a personal experience to health, when I decided to go to college, I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college, I said, I'm going to go into the health field. Um, and so when I was in my last semester of undergrad, about to receive my bachelor's in health education with a concentration of health promotion, my mom passed away. And so at that time, my mom passed away. I was interning at the Black Women's Health Imperative. Um, and it was just like, it was so crazy because I felt that support, right? They were supporting me professionally and academically, but then they were supporting me emotionally because here's this organization that's dedicated to Black women and girls. And here I am, this you know young Black woman that is in crisis, right? And trying to navigate. And so, you know, I was that person that always, you know, pushed through everything that was strong, no, take no time off. And they came to me and they said, Jeanne, you literally are finishing up your semester. You're planning your mother's funeral and you're doing all these other things for your family. Go home. And so, you know, they forced me to go home and not do any work. And, you know, I was so appreciative of that because if I was in another space, I wouldn't have been provided that. And so not only, you know, am I planning to graduate, you know, I lost my mom. I also inherited my little brother. He was six years old at the time. And so here I am about to graduate college, lost my mom grieving and having to support my little brother in grieving and also turn into a sister mom. Wow. And so, yeah, and so that personal connection with an organization and knowing that it's dedicated to the health and wellness of black women and girls and knowing my own personal experiences. It just only made sense for my personal life to you know, really interject with my academic life as well as my professional life. Um, and so since then I received my master's in public health and I'm actually a doctoral student now. I'm focusing on black women and stress. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. You, you would know about stress. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, um, let's, let's, you have a, an incredible story. I did not even realize. Thank you for sharing. Um, let's talk about grief a little bit. How are you able, or how were you and are you able to grieve while having such a large responsibility all of a sudden, right? Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. And it's a constant cycle of trying to grieve. I'm constantly grieving. Um, we just, it was a seven, you know, seven year anniversary of my mom's death on the seventh. Um, and you know, that day for me was just weird. I was going about business as usual, but I can see a shift in just my attitude, but then also my little brothers. So, you know, having to grieve for myself, I couldn't do that right when my mom passed. 
you know, now I can, cause I'm in a better place in terms of knowing that I can't, you know, always be, I can't keep my superwoman cape on, you know, I had to put it down. I had to give time for myself. It was no need for me to keep putting up this strong front if I was struggling and things like that. And so it was hard, right? And I think for me, just trying to find that balance of creating a space for me to grieve, but also being strong enough to have the space of my brother. And it was challenging for the first few years because we had to get adjusted. I was 22 when my mom passed, he was six. I didn't live in the house with them. I was off in college living on my own. And so that was other thing was adjustment. Yeah. (laughs) You know, with the grieving process, um, it wasn't like he didn't know our mom, he knew our mother. So it was, you know, he, now he's seeing the difference between, okay, my mom's gone, I'm with my sister. You know, what does this life looks like for me? I was so used to taking care of myself. What does it look like? I have to take care of a child um, that I didn't birth on my own. So, you know, grieving for me is is continuous because I find myself grieving in different ways, um, especially as I continue to do this work and support other Black women. Um, it's, it's, It's hard. And there's no, um, there's no direct path to grief. Cause like I said, it's seven years later and mm-hmm. I, I, I noticed what was happening to my body, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going about business as usual. I'm in meetings, I'm doing work. But then my body was like, hold on, you know, today's the anniversary. You might need to take a step back, you know, actually take a break today, maybe and eat. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you know, get a little laughter in there, right. <laughs> you know, and so that that has been my process and it's ongoing. And like I said, I can't just do it for me. I have to do it for my little brother. I also have other siblings, but he lives with me. So it's it's different when you're in a space and he's grieving differently. He's 13 now. Yeah. So how we both grieved at 22 and six is a lot different at 29 and 13. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I appreciate that you mentioned that it's a process. Um, we lost my mother-in-law coming up on five years this summer. And um, she, her and my husband were really, really close. And then she, cause we dated for a while. She became literally my best friend. Um, just a dope woman, super open-minded, very dynamic. And I would call her for everything. And I thought, when we first lost her that, you know, you know what, I'm going to give myself six months or a year and then I'll be okay. But it's interesting how grief shows up at different stages when I'm seeing my, the kids grow up. I'm just like see, wishing that she could be there to see them grow too. And just missing her in different milestones in our lives and how it shifts. And I, I just want um, people to give themselves grace. Yeah. It, it it's, it's hard to process. Definitely. And, you know, you can't do everything right. You know, I was, I fell into that piece where it was like, it was important for me to always be strong. Like, girl, you don't have time to cry. You got a child to raise. You got a house. You got to find stability. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then I realized, you know, I'm, I'm the perfectionist, right? Everything doesn't have to be perfect. You don't need the perfect song. You don't need the perfect chair. You don't need the perfect ambiance to cry your eyeballs out and to release. Because if you don't do it, your body would do it for you. And like I said, I started to feel it in my body. Mentally, I'm doing whatever I'm supposed to do, but I felt it in my body. Mm -hmm. And and one thing that I love is that um, people at the Black Women's Health Imperative, like they told you to 
to go home, to take a step back. And I think that's so, so important because like you said, you know, the black superwoman syndrome, like we just think that we always have to keep pushing through and that we always have to wear this cape and be perfect and be quote strong, but we need to sit down too. We need to rest too. We need to process life too. It's complicated. It's hard. And I, I think I want us to realize that there's so much strength in quote, not being strong. Yes. And I'm still learning that because sometimes I'm like, oh, no, I can handle this. And then I realize I start to pick up those those coping mechanisms, I'll say that um, that got me through when I was in that flight or flight mode. Yeah. Like now just relax. And it's so hard. So I feel like I always have to constantly do. But then I'm like, no, you need to rest. You don't have to be everything to everyone. You don't have to be everywhere. You don't have to account for all the things that happen. You can just be. And yes. it's hard sometimes to just be, especially yes. as a Black woman in this world. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Especially since as children, we're taught that we need to be 10 times better than the next in order to get half as much as the next, right? So we're always just taught to be on it. I, and I look around, I look on like online and I see everybody is like, you know, I'm going to keep grinding and I'll, I'll rest when I die and all that. And I just can't stand it. Yeah. I just want us to get to a place where we are just happy to just be. Yes, it's a time to work, but I don't want uh, us to have our identities be wrapped up just in what we do for a living and just exactly. in what we produce. I, I think, especially as Black women, I think we're just so amazing and dynamic just in and of ourselves without producing, right? Right. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I can rant about that first. <laughs> no, I believe in that too. Rest is so important and you shouldn't have to, you don't need permission to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like and, Mike and, said, do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, and I'll be honest, you know, sometimes, a lot of times I, I struggle with myself because I'm like, you know what, after I do 50, 11 things, then I'm going to get some rest. But no, I need to rest. And then maybe I'll get those things done, you know, exactly. in time. But I want to pivot a little bit and let's talk about my um, sister's keeper. So what is that initiative? And yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the My Sister's Keeper program, we call it MSK, you know, for short. Um, was actually uh, conceived in 2015. So it's ironic that when I was interning at that time, this is when MSK came about. And the focus at that time was really um, about HBCUs, um, young Black women on HBCU campuses, focuses on sexual and reproductive health and justice. And so, you know, as I've been working with the Black Women's Health Imperative, um, I was happy and you know put up to the task to lead the program and since you know since then we've changed it we've evolved it and so now it's focused on young black women ages 18 to 30 so whether you're attending a college or university at this time or whether you're working or in the community because i wanted to create a space for young black women so that way they can get this information and so it's my Sister's Keeper is all about focusing on the health and wellness of those 18 to 30 year olds um, with a range of focus areas from sexual and reproductive health rights and justice to menstrual insecurity, mental and emotional health, anti-racism allyship, gender discrimination and, and violence, as well as anti-tobacco smoking and vaping. So those are like six broad arenas, right? And then we try to tackle some of those subtopics that fall um, within it. And so... 
you know, with the My Sisters Keeper program, we've established 11 chapters um, on eight HBCU campuses and three on non HBCU campuses. And our, you know, student organization, they become student organizations of their campus. So they're, you know, they get the information from us, the resources and the support. Then they go on their campus and host events and community service. And they, you know, they support not only the campus community, but the surrounding community. And so we believe in developing advocates that are supporting the Black women's health movement. And so, you know, that's just the overview of the My Sisters Keeper program. Um, and our positive period program actually focuses on, on period poverty. So that's the menstrual insecurity and stigma piece where we focus on partnering with community organizations in um, communities where period poverty exists, where there's low income, um, where there is, you know, a lot of programming that um, supports emergency funding or mutual aid and things like that. And so we partner with these organizations and we donate menstrual products, whether that's tampons, pads, or menstrual cups. And we, you know, they distribute them in their communities. And then we also um, do education, right? Because it's important to talk about your period. You know, there's a lot of trauma around getting your period. There's a lot of trauma in the Black community when it's in relation to that. And, you know, just all the things that go into that, not being able to, um, you know, afford products so that way you can bleed safely, um, so that way you can take care of yourself in terms of the hygiene aspect. And so that's what we really do through the Positive Period Program. So both of these programs, I'm just happy to lead because these are issues that are so important. And when we look at the life course of a Black girl to a Black woman, that's what the Black Women's Health Imperative does. We look at the whole woman um, from a girl getting their period all the way through up. Um, and so that way we can really support them in that journey. I, I love everything that you guys are doing. That's incredible. Um, and when in speaking about the period poverty, it's just a few years ago that I actually learned about it. And I, I'm so saddened that yeah. people, first of all, I think that menstrual products are not a luxury. They are absolutely necessity and they should be exactly. available to everyone just period. Um, but unfortunately we live in America and that ain't it. Right. Um, but I just didn't realize, um, what some women and girls go through, um, because they don't have access to hygienic products and it's really heartbreaking. So, um, how can the listeners be involved to help donate or help distribute whatever? How can um, we, you know, be hands-on in, in that initiative? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, by visiting our um, webpage, so bwhi.org, it has information about MSK as well as Positive Period. Following us on social media, obviously, to join in it, there is um, legislation, menstrual equity for all, that folks can support. And that is to address the tampon tax that exists in, I think, about 30 states now. Um, and we know that's the additional tax plus the sales tax that they add onto period products. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just now gaining traction in a sense here in the United States, right? Because they thought it was just an international issue. There are black families that are dealing with that. There's multi-generational families in a house where there's more than one menstruating person. You know, mm -hmm. there's low income. You think about COVID right now, it's just been so hard. And so, you know, of course we 
um, raise funding to give to those organizations to purchase the products to help with the education. And so you can learn about all of that on our website and how you can be of support. But, you know, just think about it, like people in your family in your surrounding community, honestly, that, you, you know, they may have lost their job or, you know, things may be tight right now. They have, you know, other, you know, kids in the house, other menstruating people. You know, sometimes this is not something that anybody wants to discuss, but sometimes people have to choose between putting food on their table and buying menstrual products so that that way they can bleed safely. Yeah. So yeah. if we start to think about it in that context, we all can be supportive, whether it's larger efforts to communities or just individually um, in your own personal community where you can support somebody. It's the top of the year and many of us have recommitted to taking better care of our bodies. And if you're with me, let me enlist you in on the cheat code, Athletic Greens. In order to ensure that I was giving my body the proper vitamins and nutrients, I used to take a handful of assortments of big old capsules. Child, I'm talking at least five to six separate pills each and every day. And if I was in a rush, I'd skip them all together because I didn't have the time. However, one tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 minerals, vitamins, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in my diet, increase my energy and focus, aid with my digestion and support a healthy immune system without the need to take multiple products or pills. I've made my routine so much simpler while ensuring that I give my body what it needs. So join me. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Yes, a free year supply of high quality vitamin D to help ward off the winter blues, upregulate your immune system, and so much more when you redeem your offer at athleticgreens.com slash be well sis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Um, and I'm thinking about how um, girls are getting their periods sooner and sooner. Mm -hmm. um, I think I read a stat that kids as young as eight are getting their periods. I think the average is like 11 in the US, but like kids as young as eight. Eight is like what third grade. Yeah. So for those who have who are parents to little ones who are going through puberty, how can we make getting your period um, just a better? How do we shift the the narrative on getting your period? Because I know for me, it was I just woke up like, oh no, I'm bleeding. <laughs> And I told my grandma, she's like, all right, well, let's get cleaned up. And that's it. Like, there was no real conversation about it. I knew that I was uncomfortable. I knew I did not like wearing a pad and I was self-conscious about it all. So how do we shift the narrative and make getting your period less burdensome and, and more, I guess, fun, if we, if that's the word? I think, you know, it really starts with everyone's experiences, right? So like, you know, you you and I, our experiences may be different. So if we were to have daughters, mine was very dramatic. I, I found out I started my period through pain, right? So of course I'm going to be dramatic and just talk from the pain standpoint if I, you know, were to have a child to talk about it. But I think being okay with whatever your experience is and that talking to moms, whatever your experience was, that is okay, whether it was traumatic or whether it was smooth sailing, whether you had the information. I think for parents of menstruating people, 
um, you know, you want to have that conversation about them being comfortable with their bodies. That that goes to understanding the anatomy, just understanding what happens to your body and what it really means. I think um, the trauma is around not being educated on that process or feeling comfortable with yourself because it, it gets sexualized when it shouldn't be. It's a normal body function. I mean, people are saying that's another vital sign. Yeah. Um, and so talking about it from that standpoint, you know, and also celebrating it. The founder of our organization, Billy Avery, she threw her daughter a, a party. I love to it. celebrate it. You know, I didn't get a party, but you know, if I would have had a party, would it have been less? I don't know. The pain took all the pain took all the excitement. Yeah. Um, but you know, just thinking about how to celebrate it and just weaving that into the conversation. I think because periods are so much more than just bleeding monthly or however. Um, dealing with pain and going on about your life, your period is connected to so many other things. And, you know, I want to talk about um, our heart disease prevention program too, but all of that ties into it. You know, getting your period is just the mark of it, of where you need to truly be taking care of your health because it's indicators associated with that. So if, you know, younger menstruating people get this information you know, we can help combat some of the stigma and trauma that's associated as they're navigating and getting older and navigating their own bodies, their own health and being able to speak up for themselves. So, I, you know, I would just offer that and it's different for everyone. Um, but I just think, you know, starting where you are and just challenging your beliefs and, and remembering not to um, re-stigmatize people. Yeah. Um, or bring on unnecessary trauma because you experienced that. That may not be the same for all. Um, and just also this, this whole narrative about because you got your period, you think you're grown. That's not the case. We know oh, eight, eight year olds are getting it. Why would they think that they're grown? Right, <laughs> right, right. So, you know, it's some things we have to go in the Black community um, when that happens, right? Because that, that's not the correlation. Right, right. And, and it goes back to what you just said, you know, have to challenge our own beliefs. And, and, you know, we, I feel like life is a constant relearning, learning and unlearning, relearning. So that is one of the things that we need to um, reassess, especially when speaking to younger people. And um, I also want to challenge people to also talk to your, your sons um, or people who are not going to menstruate. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago, my seven-year-old was watching some Disney show and they mentioned the girl getting her period. And I heard it and I was just like, I know he's going to ask me the question. So then he comes and he's just like, mom, what's the period? So I'm like, well, it's when a woman every month she is going to bleed. He's like, bleed where? And I was just like, you know, from her vagina. Um, it's She's not sick. Nothing's wrong with her. It's just normal. Um, it happens from puberty until she's you know, whatever. And then he's just like, do you? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, every month? I'm like, yeah. He's like, does it hurt? I'm like, sometimes. So the for the whole day, he would leave and come back with more questions. And I didn't like the questioning, but I knew it's important because I want him to grow up to be a, a young boy, man that is supportive of the women around him and that they don't feel uncomfortable talking about their periods with him. So yeah. It's definitely key to loop in our young boys and men, you know, and that's so they'll understand, like, we all should know about each other's, the anatomy mm -hmm. of the parts. Everyone should know, everyone should know how bodies function. You know, mm -hmm. that, does, that doesn't 
make anything sexual. It's just for you to understand the normal bodily processes. And I think that's for anybody and yes. everybody should yes. know. Um, and because we know that the support comes from, you know, the boys and the men, you know, like my little brother, he knows if I'm cramping, Right. I don't, I, don't, I think we're eating sandwiches tonight. I don't think I'm touching, <laughs> you know, or, you know, even my dad, when I, I used to have horrible cramps when I was in high school, still now, but, and my dad knew that I'm like, dad, you know, I'm about to come on. I need my Krispy Kreme donuts. I need my favorite juice, have that ready. And, you know, he, he had no quarrels about going to the store and purchasing my pads. People are like, what size right. again? And, you know, he would just go. And, you know, that's the type of support because he understood, like, okay, my daughter's going through a normal bodily function. Let me support her. He wasn't like, ew, like, oh, what is this? He was like, girl, what size? Right. What what kind of snacks? Sweet and salt? Okay. Right. (laughs) How can I help? Exactly. (laughs) Yes, because I want to bring in um, to talk a little bit about just stress and, like, self-care and just what stress does to the body. Um, you know, again, for the Black Women's Health Imperative, we think about the life course and we also think about lifestyle change, but we can't think about any of this until we think about and consider and center the lived experiences of Black women. And what we know now is that Black women are stressed. We're stressed, Yep. you know, and sometimes we don't have to be, but the way society is set up, we will be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our minds and our bodies as well as our heart, it's all interconnected. So we have to understand what's happening with our mental health, with our physical health, and how that, you know, leads to heart disease. Um, And, you know, so we just recently developed our MSK Heart Health Program. And our program focuses on um, protecting your heart, both physically and emotionally, right? So because we wanted to center of course the lived experiences we know that yes there are things in terms of racism you know work and other things that actually impact us but it's also those healthy relationships there's also the relationships that happen with non-romantic partners you know we were we were doing research um, to tailor this curriculum you know a lot of um, the young woman we talked to they were like I'm so stressed that I have to go back and live with a parent I've been on my own, you know, so really? some of these things can put you at greater risk because we know that stress, that stress hormone cortisol is mm-hmm. tearing the black body up. Yep. Yep. It's tearing us up. Yep. And younger people are, um, are at greater risk for heart attacks and heart disease as young as 20. And we know that that is due to lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be supportive and make sure that young Black women aged 18 to 30 have that information that supports them to make those lifestyle changes, considering all the social political identities that make, you know, that's related to their heart health, talking about their stress, you know, of course, healthy eating and getting physical activity, but then focusing on healthy relationships and how emotional and financial wellness is connected. All of that to reduce the risk for heart disease. And so that's our MSK Heart Health Program um, that we are launching this month because it is American um, Heart Health Month. And so, you know, we wanted to make that connection and, you know, we focus on self-care strategies and all those things because we know like that that's crazy. That is, is no longer an, an elderly condition. No. Nope. It's no longer my grandmother's condition. It's, it's ours now. 
Yep. And yep. 20 year olds and 30 year olds are showing up with symptoms. And, the, and what I found out, which was crazy, is that a lot of the symptoms for heart attacks are similar to that of stress. So the fatigue, the body aches. And so if we don't have that, you know, that information to know the difference, we're at a deficit and that increases your risk. And so these are some of the things that we're addressing through the Heart Health Program to, you know, to make the connection that yes, Black women are stressed, but here are some things that we can do that talks about taking care of your mind, your body, and your heart through these self-care strategies to ensure that we have the tools to support us through the life course, because it is hard. I mean, you know, prevention is hard to sell. <laughs> it is, it is. Prevention is hard to sell, but, you know, as an organization, we are focusing on lifestyle change for Black women. And so I just wanted to make that connection and say that, you know, it's important. And of course, who wants to talk about heart health, right? That's not sexy enough. But we, we do need to talk about it because yes. the things that we experience are impacting our heart. Yes. You can feel it there just like you feel anything else in your body. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I'm so happy that you guys have made that connection and have been vocal about it because one thing that I, one of my critiques of Western medicine is that they look at just the disease and not the whole person. You know, all of the experiences the lived experience that you mentioned that we have as a people and then as women, so then as Black women, um, really impact us, you know, um, things that are impacting our mental health and our day-to-day, -day, like our lifestyles, impact every single cell in our body, including our cardiovascular system. So I'm so happy that you mentioned that. And I think for those of us who struggle with giving ourselves permission to take care of ourselves, maybe this will show how important it is. Yes. Definitely. Because I mean, there are barriers to self-care, right? Mm -hmm. You know, think about time. And again, to your point, the permission, the permission to say, I, I don't need anyone's permission to rest. I don't need anyone's permission to set boundaries. I don't need anyone's permission to be help my healthier self, you know? And so we think about those barriers. You think about like people who always put others first, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I fell into that trap, right? Yeah. We talk about the cape already. And you know, yeah. I was wearing that cape proudly because it was a badge of honor to yeah. do for my family. And then I was like, hmm, but I need to fill my cup first. Yeah. And so when we think about it in that context, like everything has barriers, but that shouldn't stop us from becoming uh, the healthiest version of ourselves. And we don't need permission from anybody else to make those changes. We can do it on yeah. our own. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think one thing in, in speaking to like my girlfriends and stuff, one way that it's easier to encourage us to do better for ourselves because we're nurturers by nature is if we say, you know what, the better you are, the better the people around you will be as a byproduct. So exactly. yes. 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 And for the, the high health program is, is group based. So mm. you won't be doing this alone. Like we're not, you know, it's not modules that you sign up for and you just get the information going about yourself, but it's group based. So you have that support. You have the support of your peers. And so that way you'll know, like, I'm not in this alone. Like we are making these changes together and you have that support. And we also have some supportive um 
resources that are a part of our heart health program. Like we established a therapy fund. It's called Sis We Got You to support for co-pays, right? Because we know that's an issue. And although, um, you know, Black women tend to be underinsured um, and you may not want to go through your insurance, right? You want to go to someone else and you don't really have the funds. And, you know, we are supporting the young Black women that are in our program to do that. You know, providing sustainable menstrual cups, right? Buying menstrual products is so expensive and it tallies up. Yep. Um, yes, there's a, a level of understanding your body and being comfortable with your body when it comes to a menstrual cup because you're inserting it. And, and you know, there are issues, you know, there are concerns around um, penetration that people um, may have um, for their respective reasons. And so, you know, we think about that and consider that. But a menstrual cup is sustainable last 10 to 15 years. That's something that you don't have to worry about paying for. And so we're providing um, our program members with that, you know, Mm -hmm. in addition to some supplemental items like um, a subscription to a calm meditation app, as well as, you know, um, the, the meal services. Um, you know, the, what is it, freshly, the prep foods and things like that to be able to support. So some of the things, you know, we thought about what were the additional supports that people may need while they're going through this program. Obviously, it's connected to it, but, you know, just providing that access, not saying here's what you need to do and then go on and find it, but providing those supplemental supports. And yeah. you know, I think that's something that, um people can appreciate. It's like, not only are we giving you this information, we're giving you tangible items um, that can support you on your lifelong journey to protect your heart. Yeah, um, that's so important. And I love that you um, said it's it's group-based. So self-care is great, but I say that community care is even better because if I'm by myself, there's no accountability, right? So I'll just quit especially if it's just something that I'm doing just for me. But if I have my person who I'm accountable to, what if she's in the same boat as me, I'm more likely to keep doing it because I have that encouragement. I have that support. Um, And then all the supplemental things that you provide, it eliminates, helps to eliminate some of the barriers that there could be. Um, So I think that's just, it's, that's incredible. I did not realize you guys are doing so much. It's super, super impressive and inspiring. Yes, thank you, thank yeah. you. you know, when we say that we're dedicated and committed to the health and wellness of Black women and girls, we mean it. Yep. And we make sure it's infused in all of the work that we do from our programming to our policy. Um, so you do all of this incredible work. You are also raising your brother. I need to know, and you're a doctoral student. How do you take care of yourself? What does self-care look like for you? Self-care for me right now looks like taking naps. So um, my courses are asynchronous. So I'm not, I don't have to be in a class at a certain time and it's fully online. Thank you to the Lord above. Um, You know, and I work from home. So I had to find that balance. And so like when the workday is done for me at five, I take a nap so I can get up and then focus on my schoolwork. It's been so hard, right? Cause you think about, oh, just grind it out and things like that. But that's what I had to do. I had to actually schedule in naps into rest. Um, also self-care for me looks like crying. <laughs> <laughs> crying. 
Um, you know, I, I call this my a crying cleanse. And it's so funny because I tell people about it all the time. Like I have this playlist that I created and, you know, I get in the shower and I just cry. Not that anything's going on or anything like that. But like I told you, I can tell my body tells me when we need to release. release. Yeah. And you just don't know what you're carrying. And so it's so good to get it out. And it's not to say that daily stressors don't happen, but just finding that time to just release. So resting, crying, um, <laughs> and, uh, I also <laughs> take care of myself. Um, those are, I think those are the pretty, you know, two big things. Like I, I've started going back roller skating. That's been really helpful. Um, my family has a long line of skaters. And so going back and just kind of getting that cardio and just having fun with that is definitely something um, that I've been doing. And it's so funny because I said um, in the new year, I would go at least twice a month. And every time I turn around, everyone's like, come on, girl, let's go skating. Or we go on Sunday night. And so I'm like, oh, man. So I'm, I'm being more active, um, right. if that makes sense. So th that's what I'm doing for myself. Um, and also just giving myself permission to um, pump the brakes whenever need be and to use that PTO. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, you are just, I'm just enamored. You are, you are everything. <laughs> um, so before we wrap up, I wanted to ask my guests two questions. The first question is, if there was a book about anything at all, um, fiction, nonfiction, what would you recommend to the listeners? Mm. Well, that's a good one. Investing in the educational success of Black women and girls. Um, I'm a true advocate of um, education. Um, like I said, first generation to graduate college, to get a master's and to be in a doctoral program. Um, and so I really believe in that. And, you know, educational attainment is, you know, a, at one point it was a protective factor, um, but I still think that it's important education in any sense um, yeah. to be an advocate. So, you know, I, I would recommend this book because we would be starting it together. I just got it. <laughs> But I know it, it touches on some great things. Um, and I'm a, a huge supporter of HBCUs. Um, and that's why the work through MSK is so important. Obviously, we work with young Black women on whatever college campus they attend. But investing in our HBCUs is so important. Um, and that's why I all of the schools I've attended, actually, I've only attended one, the Morgan State University, where I've received um, all my degrees from, <laughs> is an HBCU. Um, so yeah, I would recommend that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then the last question is, what's something that's brought you some joy in like the last 24 to 48 hours? What has brought me joy? Hmm. I think what has brought me joy has been the work and just who I've become. Um, and I say that because I've had to talk to several people in the last couple of days We'll talk about my work and just my connection to it. Um, and it's that empowering standpoint. Um, and so for me, it's, it's all about knowing your possibilities for change. I've recognized that for myself and I lead with that. And um, I think that's what I try to give out to the world, which is knowing all of your possibilities for change. So that's what has brought me joy, knowing all the possibilities for change and how I could um, bring that light to other people. Yeah, you're doing it. You are absolutely doing it. Um, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Janet. I will have all of the information for Black Women's Health Imperative down in the show notes. Um, is there anything that um, you want to touch on that I didn't ask you about? Um, nothing specific, but I just want, you know, always want to leave out with some call to actions. So I'll just encourage folks to go to bwhi.org backslash MSK to sign up if you want more information about um, all of the programming that MSK does, but more specifically our heart health program, which is launching this um, month. Um, follow us on social media. Um, follow Black Women's Health Imperative, obviously, at BLK Women's Health, but then also you can follow the MSK page at National MSK. We post great content. Um, we learn all the great things that we're doing, um, and, you know, that's just where we are. And so, yeah, I would just say that, you know, join us in the movement and sign up and, and stay in contact to learn how you can be supported and how we can be supportive to you. Yes, yes. I will have all those links down below. So it's an easy click away. So that way you can go ahead and, and follow and support, sign up, share with a friend, share with a sister, share with a child, whatever. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.